Welcome to the Power of the Cross with special guest minister, Lauren Larson. We're working on why people fail. That's really the process that I introduced to you or the subject I introduced to you. And one of the things we have to understand is where we have come from. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and as we grew up lost... We were influenced, first of all, by the world around us, which is basically a group of people that don't want God. And everything they think, they think, they just do. Um, And then secondly, the power of the spirit of the power, the prince of the power of the air is a specific name for Satan. It's one of the 12 names afforded to him. But there are a lot of powers of darkness that speak to our minds. Uh, you can start, you, sh- you have to start identifying um, some of the thoughts that come into your mind. If you, if you would actually study, and, and I don't have time to go through it with you today, but 1 Corinthians 13, um, chapter 13, 4 through 8, everything that's love. Um, that's not a mushy type of a love, but love doesn't think wrong about people. So every thought that you have about somebody else that's negative, that tears them down, that distrusts them, that thinks about how bad they are, and don't they, shouldn't they be more like me? That didn't come from God. So it either came from you, that person that was, has learned the ways of the world and Satan, or it came directly from Satan himself. Most marriages fall apart because people listen to accusations about their partner and receive it even if it's not true. Or if it's partially true, it's built up into a case in the mind of that individual, and there goes the end of the family. Most church splits are the result of Satan getting into the mind of the individual and planting thoughts there that are negative towards other people. I jokingly use it all the time. You know, Sister Big Hair, who sits in front of you, has the beehive, and up in up these days it's not too prominent, but she sits there and shakes bobby pins in your face all service long, and no matter where you sit, Sister Big Hair sits right in front of you. And you get so bothered about it that you hate Sister Big Hair. Wow. Speaking in tongues and hating Sister Big Hair. (laughs) Just saying. So, what we have to know is that the voices that come in that we receive are teaching us. And, And before we were saved, then we walked according to the course of the world. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. Verse 3, among also we had our conversation, and that is an archaic language from King James Version. It really means lifestyle. Among whom we had our lifestyle in time past in the lusts of the flesh. Now, the word flesh was is not a simple word to define, but basically it is 
that which pertains to man, the created being. What God created is flesh. And our members of our flesh are not just physical, they're also the soul and the spirit, and your mind, and everything about you, flesh. That's intrinsically, that's flesh. What God created in the garden, that's flesh. He created Adam and Eve in flesh. So everything that man is, everything that pertains to man, is flesh. So when the Bible says that we lived our life in the lusts of our flesh, here's the thought. Whatever you thought you wanted to do and were big enough to get done, that's what you did. Whatever you thought you wanted that you were able to perform, that's what you did. Lust is not necessarily a wrong connotation. It just means a strong, ardent desire. We hear lust today and we think sex and it's not... Don't do that because it, it really is it's included, but it means a strong desire for something. So whatever you had a strong desire for, that's what you pursued because that's what pleased you. It pleased your flesh, your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit, and you used your body and your talents and your abilities and maybe even your education. All that you were, everything that you had learned from the world was contained in your flesh. Body, soul, and spirit. Do you get the picture? So I lived this way. And so did you, that in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. So again, whatever I thought, whatever came my mind, whatever were my goals and my dreams. Can I slow down a minute here and just address something that bothers me? To have preachers talk to you about the dream that you need to fulfill is a very dangerous thing. Because it takes us right back to the dreams of our flesh. Um, not, and, and we couch it in Scripture, but let your dream be what God has designed for you, not what you conjure up in your own mind. Can I say that to you? Now, let's, 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 let's balance that a little bit. Because as a born-again believer, my heart is being changed. So, but I have to be honest with myself. Am I desiring what God desires for me, or am I desiring what I desire for me? And those two things have to be reconciled. And you have to die to the, your own design, and you have to embrace God's design. Now, that's real easy to embrace God's design when everything's going well. But when seemingly everything is taken away, will you still follow? When you find the truth and you're excited about it and people oppose the truth, will you still preach it? Because now you're following God's design, and while it pleases you because you're a born-again person following the mind and whole holistic plan of God, that ought to be your goal. But dreams oftentimes aren't the goal of God. They're the goal of men. So I really, and, and I listen to some big-name preachers at times, and I, I love to encourage God's people, but I got news for you. We're not all going to be rich we're not all going to be the best in our field. 
We're not all going to be the top banker and the top preacher and the top school teacher and the top uh, uh, the president of the company. And we're not. And some of the preaching and teaching I hear today is pushing us towards that. Well, those are the dreams that the world has. Why would I make that my dream? Now, if God is pulling you in that direction, I'm not against it. But our flesh, man, we whatever is pleasing to me, remember this? Me, 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 and not you, just me, 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 me. Whatever is, we need to be careful. Um, because most of the time when God produces something uh, in us, we're surprised by the way he does it. But for me, and I said it last night, I'll say it again, what I'm finding in my Christian experience that's most beneficial is when God stomps the independence and self-will out of me through circumstances. And then I find the will of God. Why is it so hard to find the will of God? Because I get in the way. Me wants this. I want a platform. I want to be accepted. I want to be heard. I want to be seen. I want, I want, I want. And those are dreams that the world chases after. And I tell our students at the Bible College, don't get sucked up into this, oh, I want to I have a great ministry uh, in the sense of huge and big. Um, because ministry is people, and God will, will send some of us to the multiple millions, and He'll send other of us to 10 or 15. And they're, the, 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 the plan is, what makes the plan great is that it's God's plan. If it's my plan, I want to do millions, and God says 15, am I happy with that? Is that what will I embrace that? So the biggest and the best, the greatest and the grandest, the largest and the most expensive and the all of that, folk, that's not always God. Be careful. Because too much of that in my mind and heart reflects what I used to be. What I used to think. You know, I went to Nashville before I lost my fingers in a textile factory accident there to be a star in the country western field. My band did really good in the Colorado area, and so we made an album there, and it sold real well. So like 5,000 other fools, I traveled to Nashville to become a star. And I got addicted to drugs and lost my fingers. And I didn't realize I never had the talent to do that kind of a thing. Thank God I didn't, but it wasn't for that. That, that was my idea. That wasn't God's. Are, are you following? So we have lived all of our life. Now, think about this, and you, I'm trying to get to this question. Go, go with me for just a second to the uh, same book, easy to find, Ephesians 4. When we get saved... We become alive to God. But I hope that this will show you something. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Ephesians 4, 22 says this, that you put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man. Now, notice this. When you get born again, well, let me define these two terms. The old man is you dominated by the sin nature. 
That's what you used to be, a person dominated by the sin nature. A new man is that person that's been set free from the sin nature, whose faith is in Christ, and the Holy Spirit is now correcting. The old man is a person that was under the influence of the sin nature, which was corrupting your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit. Let me say that again. The old man is the person that I was prior to salvation being dominated by the sin nature. And the sin nature bent me, bent my flesh, bent my mind, my heart, my soul, all that I was, and coupled that with the the course of the world and uh, the prince of the power of the air and created a wrong lifestyle conversation. Lifestyle. You get this? Okay, the new man is me freed from the dominion of the power of the sin nature and me regenerated, my soul and my spirit is regenerated. I'm now feeling different about God. I now have the availability to receive information from the Holy Spirit and God living in me is correcting me. So the old man isn't perfect, he's being corrected. No, the new man is not perfect. He's being corrected. The old man was a person that was continually being corrupted. So when I get saved, question to you, is it true that I have put off the old man and put on the new? Is that true? Yes, it is. Shake your head and say yes. Because that's what we've been teaching all morning. The old man was me being corrupted by the sin nature, by the course of the world, by the course of the prince of the power of the air, and it affected my flesh, me, right? The new man, I'm now recreated in Christ Jesus, a new creation. I have new desires that come from the Holy Spirit, and I have uh, a spirit that can now hear from God, and the Holy Spirit lives in me. That's the new man, right? So why would Paul say in Ephesians chapter 4, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts? What is he saying to us here? You are a new creation. You are the new man. What's he telling us? But he says that you put off something. So what are we putting off? Old man, world, good answers. I, let, me, let me show you something here. When you become a new creation at salvation, you put off the old man. That's why I asked you, are you a new man or an old man? And you put on the new man. So that transition has already taken place. But look more closely at the Scripture here. What is he telling us to put off? He's not telling us to put off the old man here. What is the former conversation? Ah, so as a new man, guess what I still have to deal with? The old lifestyle. The influences that once affected me and impacted me. I'm saved. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. But 
my whole being isn't instantly changed, I have to put off the lifestyle of the old man. Because I have learned from the sources that I've learned from, and when you insult me, my old lifestyle was... Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, you know, you insult me, I can rip you up, right? Because that's what I learned. That was the lifestyle of the old man, and I learned that lifestyle from whom? The world, the flesh, and the devil. So now, he's not telling me put off the old man, because as a believer, I've already put it off. But I have yet to, in my day, here as a new man, I have yet to put off some of the lifestyles and thought processes that were birthed in me prior to salvation. Does this make sense to you? But look at 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. I can tell you that we're to put off all of the lifestyles permanently of the old man. I'm not going to try to defeat the old man. I can't. That's what Jesus did when I was baptized into Christ. The old man was defeated there. So my growth and my challenge and my process is to take all those things that I was and make them new. So in that process, why why is it that God took for me, the five, six major things that I was doing, and I laughingly say this even on the program the last time I was on it with Brother Swigert, I said, you know, he took away the drugs, he took away the alcohol, he took away, you know, the cocaine, the, the Copenhagen, he took away the cigarettes, he took away the quaaludes, he took away pornography, and then after 90 days he started working on the hard stuff. The hard stuff, which is the content of my heart. The heart, you, you quoted it earlier, I think. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? The result of being inundated with the world, the flesh, and the devil, it training and creating a lifestyle, is what is it? It's going to take a lifetime for me to get out. And when he comes back, it still all won't be gone. Because in a moment, corruption will put on. So until then, I'm operating in corruption where the Spirit is willing, but the... Okay, why does God... Well, okay, are, are, it doesn't answer your question, but let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians 7.1 because it ties in with what you've asked. And let me show you this. Thank you for listening to The Power of the Cross. We pray this message is a blessing to you. You can access our sermons at GrenadaChurch.com. We also ask you for your financial support in helping us reach the world with the gospel. You can donate to our ministry by secure means at GrenadaChurch.com and click Donate. Now, back to the message. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Having therefore these promises dearly beloved, he's speaking to believers, right? That's dearly beloved, 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Now what does he say? Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of what? 
of the flesh and spirit. That's my total person. I'm a new man. And God is telling me I need to be cleansed from all filthiness that is still remaining in my flesh and my spirit. The former conversation, the former lifestyle, the wrong thinking that is still in there. Welcome to progressive sanctification. What are you dealing with? You're dealing with what the world made you. Planted into your brain. Some of those strong, ardent desires are still in you for the wrong thing. So even as a Christian, from time to time, especially at different times, you might see something surface that was never there or something even resurface. I thought that once I heard the message of the cross, I'd never have another problem. No, the message of the cross equips you for the fight, equips you for the battle. It doesn't guarantee you that the battle is over. The battle is never over. Because here's, you know, here, the only thing that will change me is what? The Holy Spirit. The only thing that can, has the power to change me is the Holy Spirit. So when I see what's not yet what it needs to be, what do I do? So if I keep my faith in Christ, let's say that I'm having a trouble with a relationship and I wish the guy would fall off the planet and die and I just tell God he disappeared. And I know that's the wrong attitude. But man, this guy has hurt me. This guy has attacked me. This guy has been ugly toward me, took pot shots at me whenever he could, belittled me as whenever he could. And I've done nothing but help him. I've done nothing but bless him. I've done nothing but be Christian to him. And now he's done me this way. And you lie awake at night and you clench your fist and you grit your teeth and you think, when I see him again, I'm going to give him what for. And you think about how you could belittle and degrade and make him feel bad, just like he made you feel bad. And, ah, wait a minute. That's the old Lauren. That's the thinking of the old man. That's the lifestyle of the old man manifesting in a new man. It does work exactly like that. It shows up when you least expect it and when you don't want it. And it seems to be so powerful of a draw that you can't break it or resist it. Am I hitting it? Yeah. And it's there. You know what you have to know? That at the cross, all sin's power is broken. So the old man, the lifestyle of the old man says, Oh, I can't resist that. That's too powerful. That's too much. I can't, I can't, I can't. Wait a minute. What we have to learn is the fact that it was broken. You don't have to. Two. Mm -mm. You don't 
have to. You're simply responding to the same old lifestyle influences that you used to, but now what you have to start building into your heart is the truth. You don't have to. We've all had pulls. If I went around the room, I don't want to because we'd embarrass each other. But we've all had pulls towards something that seems so powerful we couldn't stop. That's addiction. doesn't matter whether it's pornography or if it's the donuts in the back room or the cigarettes, whether it, you know, whether it's a fork or a donut, I, I, whether it's a cigarette or a fork. I, it's addiction. I, I like to think of it, and I'm going to share this with you, is that these things that come up in us are sin. There's only one thing more powerful than sin. The grace of God. Only one thing is more powerful than sin. And only one thing is more powerful than the sin you will find at times surfacing in you the lifestyles of the old man. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Only one way to overcome the lifestyles of the old man. By the grace of God. Second question, how do I get the grace of God? By faith. By faith in what? By faith in what Christ has done for me at Calvary. Let me tell you something that helped me greatly, and I've used it before, but in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 6, Romans 6, verse 6, knowing this, you got to know this, that our old man is crucified with him. That's done. Is it not? Is that done? That's what you have to know. So you're not dealing with a supernatural power that can't be overwhelmed. You're dealing with the lifestyle that the old man knew. You've already put off the old man. Now you have to put off the lifestyle of the old man. Knowing that Christ being raised, I'm sorry, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body and the power of sin might be destroyed. Henceforth, literally means this uh, rendered idle or useless. It's where we get our term dormant relative to the sin nature. But every single sin that you have ever been involved in has already been defeated by Calvary. You have to know this. When I was a kid in Montana, not in Faraday, thank God, but in Montana, but uh I just, I got to throw the shot when I can. Um, when I was a kid in Montana, one of the things we used to do uh, as we sped around as six-year-olds on our stingray bikes is to find garter snakes in the rocks because we had a lot of rocks in Montana and little hills, and we would find garter snakes, and then we would pull them out of their holes in the, in, and grab them by the tail. Garter snakes are harmless. They can't bite. They don't hurt you, and they're only about that long. So we would hit them. We'd bring them, and we'd bring them out onto the pavement, and we would run over them on the bikes. We'd crush them with rocks. We'd, it was just a game. I mean, look, it was, I think it was better than Nintendo or whatever they play today, people putting a mask on their face going, <laughs> you know, we killed snakes. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
But when you crush the head of a snake, the interesting thing about him is that he's dead. He's absolutely dead. But that body will move and shake for minutes after, long after the head has been crushed and the life is gone. That snake looks like it's alive. And if you just came around the corner and looked, you'd think, that's a live snake. It's not a live snake. It's a snake whose dead has been crushed that's still moving. You know what you have in you? A bunch of dead snakes. And when you see a dead snake, you need to recognize it for what it is. It's a dead snake. Why is it dead? Because of what Jesus did for you at Calvary. It's still moving, which creates that, oh, i got to respond to this the way I've always responded to this. No, you don't either. I'm sitting in a motel in Nashville, Arkansas. The town is smaller than Grenada. It had one, <laughs> one motel, huh? Yeah, it has one. It had one motel when I was there, and it had one uh, drive-through restaurant, Taco Bell. And Grace went there to minister with me when she was like twelve, and we drove up to Taco Bell after the <laughs> after the service and ordered a couple of tacos. And they said we're out of beef. Taco Bell out of beef. Hmm. That's how small Nashville, Arkansas is. I'm sitting there, not when Grace was with me, but later when this revelation hit me. And it was as simple as this. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to. From Romans 6.6, 6, I don't have to do that. And I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to. I don't have to respond to that anymore because of what Jesus did for me at Calvary. And what I have to learn in truth by facing the things that are difficult is that that is true. The old man, we would look at meth, we would look at quaaludes, we would look at cocaine and say, man, I, I can't, I just gotta. But the truth is, we didn't have to. Jesus has already broken and crushed. Genesis 3.15 he will crush the head of the serpent. Honey, Calvary left you with a bunch of dead snakes that God is requiring that you by faith learn to lay aside, that you don't have to be overwhelmed by anything that the world, the flesh, or the devil taught you because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Therefore, he doesn't say fight it. He says lay it aside put it off how through the spirit when i see something in my life that needs to change here's where i go and i'll finish with this i take that need to the lord and i tell him what it is and i tell him what i see and i tell him that i recognize that it's wrong and i tell him that i know that i can't fix it myself i can't Lord, life has shown me that I still have this former lifestyle that's active in my heart, my brain, my body, my mind, my flesh, whatever. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be changed. 
But I can't change myself. Thank you, Lord, for defeating this already. I don't have to live like I used to. I don't have to do that anymore. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ. Therefore, the lifestyle that Paul tells me to put off in chapter 4 and verse 22 is accomplished by the renewing of the mind. I now begin to realize I don't have to. And when I place my faith in Jesus and what he did, he will give me freedom. But he doesn't all always give us freedom over something the first time I put that into practice because he's teaching his learning creation how to rely upon him how to travel through the fire how to get through the water. This isn't fun. This isn't easy. This isn't a snap of the finger. But the message of the cross brings you into the battle and gives you the equipment to win if you'll not quit. And in this battle, you're going to fail sometimes. You may fail in the same thing multiple times. Boy, that doesn't go over in most circles today. The preachers that preach that, well, why would I listen to you? You talk about failing. I'm talking about a new creation trying to learn from God like they did at the beginning. See, the God that walked with them in the garden is now living on the inside of me, teaching me about Himself. I become a partaker of the nature of God. Just like God wanted to make Adam and Eve partakers of His nature, He's now saved me and put His Spirit within me. And His Spirit, if I'll trust Him, will continually renew my mind and strengthen me. But as I walk through this process of, of, of Christianity, I'm going to stumble a time or two. I'm going to fail. I'm going to see things. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. That didn't help me. I'm not under law. I'm under grace. And I have to learn how to live under grace. It's not something we do naturally. We have to learn it. It's not something we do automatically. We have to submit ourselves to it. We have to become a two-year-old totally dependent upon God and His Spirit and the cross and Christ every single day of our lives. And just about the time you think you have gotten rid of all of your independence of God, God will put something in your path that shows you how little you yet have learned to trust Him. Can I get an amen? And then we go, what do I do now? Same thing you did with the last thing. The same thing you did when you came to Him the first time. God, I can't. You can help. I can't. You can help. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy. Why? Because you're going to blow it. Come boldly. Not to the throne of condemnation. Not to the throne of doubt. Not to the throne of license. Oh, it doesn't matter what I do. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may find mercy. But not just mercy. Not just forgiveness, Pastor. But grace to help. Whatever it is. Whatever you're still dealing with. Whatever you're 
old man lifestyle is still popping up in your brain and in your heart and in your spirit. That's what you need help with. And I need his help every day. Because I learned a lot of wrong stuff in my 26 years of living for myself. And I don't care if you were five years old when you got saved, you learned a lot from the world and the devil. So today, I look for grace to help in my time of need, and I don't stop looking for that help. I don't make excuses about why I'm failing. I recognize that failure occurs. And I encourage you and I encourage me to become totally dependent upon who Christ is and what Christ has done, upon the working of the Spirit in your life that was given you at salvation, and the fact that you are not an old man. You have already put off the old man, but you are dealing with the former lifestyles that were promoted by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you have to contend with that. That's what growth in Christ is all about. Losing that as a lifestyle and gaining the nature of God as your new lifestyle. Welcome to a lifelong pursuit. Well, I thought that once I learned the message of the cross, I wouldn't have to battle. No, it just puts weapons in your hands, in your utility belt, Batman. It's there. You just have to know what to pull out when. Amen? So as we go through this, I didn't get where I wanted to go, but I hope I got somewhere that helped you. Uh, We were one thing. But God, but God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You are a new creation, yet you're still being created. Be patient, be loving, be kind. Point people to the right thing, to what to believe, and help them when they fail. Don't condemn and don't condone. Don't say, I can't help it. Yes, we can. We can rise above it, whatever it is. And it is different in everybody's life, but it is there. Amen, Brother Larson. Father, we thank you today for the gift of the Word. We thank you for what Christ has done for us. We pray, Lord, that these simple words would be helpful to the body of Christ and that that something would be taken from this situation today, something would be taken from these conversations today that help our continual dependence and growth upon you and what you've done for us at Calvary. And so, God, we commit now all these issues in our lives, these former lifestyles that are still troubling us and bothering our heart and our minds. Father, we commit them to you and we take them to the cross. We take them to the fact that Jesus has already defeated them and that grace is available by faith for us to overcome each and every semblance of the old lifestyle. I thank you that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and that all things are becoming new and all old things pass away. And I give you the praise for it now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. 
time ago, a Roman jailer asked the important question to the Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? Paul's answer was immediate and to the point, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. We have to realize that our sin separates us from God, and the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what did God do about this? He made it simple. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you'll just take a moment and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Accept Him as your Savior, resolve in your mind to make Him Lord of your life, and follow Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength as long as you live. If you've made a decision for Christ today, we would love to hear from you and send you a free Bible. Send us a message to info at GrenadaChurch.com. Thank you once again for listening to The Power of the Cross. If you have prayer requests, questions, or comments, email us at radio at GrenadaChurch.com or send them to the Lighthouse at P.O. Box 2441, Grenada, Mississippi, 38902. That's P.O. Box 2441, Grenada, Mississippi, 38902. God bless you and have a wonderful week.